Coming up, a crack in the wall, a man and his doll, and Katrina McCall. Plus, getting rid of snakes, Chef Al cooks up something morbidly delicious, and as always, a rousing session of Ask the Goat. All this and more on this maggot-filled episode of Kiss the Goat. Let's consider the horror movies that delve into the supernatural realm with a particular focus on demonic activity. I'm Cootie. And my name is X, and this is... Kiss, Kiss the, the goat. goat! Light a candle for the sinners, set the world on fire. Welcome to the online shrine for satanic cinema. The circle is closed and no one may enter or leave without the express written permission of Christopher George. This is episode 42 of Kiss the Goat, and welcome to it. Everyone, please grab a bottle of Mike's Hard Lemonade... Raise it to the sky as we welcome the patron anti-saint of Kiss the Goat, Cindy Sin Fallon. I was raised by wolves. (laughs) (laughs) This is the original sin, Cindy Sin Fallon. My God, that is weak sauce, but she loved it. Yes, she did. We've talked about this before on the show, but X and I rarely fight. We agree on practically everything. But one of the things that we don't agree on is who is the best Italian horror director. I am a diehard Dario Argento fan. You are, and I love Argento's work, but I think that Lucio Fulci's work is better. And I like Fulci's stuff, but I still think Argento's the king. And you're wrong. However, we agreed that for this show, we would take on a Fulci film that we both love. So hang out with us as we give you a guided tour through the city of the living dead. Back in a bit. In a world gone mad. As you know, the doomsday clock is a symbolic clock face analogizing humankind's proximity to extinction. One man must fight to survive on the global junkie of the future. You maniacs! You blew it up! Ah, damn you! God damn you all to hell! Which versus the Doomsday Clock is that man's story? His search for entertainment is transmitted across time and space. For your listening pleasure on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and your Android device. This podcast is not fit for human consumption. Side effects include laughter, concern, nausea, vomiting, and burning for more purposes. The producers accept no responsibility for any side effects, illness, or internet range of mind cause. My effect guarantees worth nothing. Zero, 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 zero,
Get on your knees and genuflect, bitches. It's time to get your exercise. It's the power of Christ that compels you. The power of Christ compels you. That the power of Christ compels you. 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 Are you sick? Are you miserable? You cripple! You my kind of people! Here's another one from Emmanuel TV in which snake demons are cast out of a woman. No big deal. Just snakes. <laughs> but the greatest thing about this clip is that the exorcists are British. They are posh British. So even though the woman who is being exorcised is shrieking to beat the band... The people doing the exorcism are so polite, they sound like Tesco customer service reps. They <laughs> do. So let's go across the pond for the nicest exorcism you've ever heard. Now, you have to understand that this is an anointing water healing service. And what that means is that the exorcists have holy water. Well, I, at least I assume it's holy water anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's in small spray bottles. So... The exorcists are spraying water in people's faces the entire time. They want to know why this woman is screaming. It's because she spent a lot of time doing her makeup, and now some Ponzi Brit is dousing her face with water. How rude! (laughs) We want them to be men! This kid's are great! Who are you, you evil spirit? Who are you? Who are you? You evil spirit. You're the snake. You're the spiritual snake. Snake. brought in alive to destroy your destiny. She's going to speak about You snake. You spirit of snake. What have you done to her life? Oh, we don't want that. You know that. You know, get up in danger. Why? How long have you been in this body? Since birth, we knew her place. Okay, this woman, what is her occupation? What does she do? She's doing nothing. What have you done to her family? What have you done to her home, her marriage? We brought the spirit of madness. We want them to be mad. They are greatest kids. Oh, God, attend them all. I love them. Be gone with him. Six of them. You evil spirit with all your evil plans for this family, for this woman. Which name? Which name? Which name? Whoa. Which name? Whoa, we can't say it. Whoa, we are in danger. We are in danger. We are in danger. She was given a volcanic energy fire to burn all of us. In the Whoa. name of Jesus Christ. Why don't call that name? In the don't name say. of Jesus Please, Christ. Please don't. Why should Whoa. we? Why do you not want that name to why be called? Why do you have to call that name? In the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her in Jesus' name. 
Come out. You have no place in this body. You and your nonsense plans. You're coming out in Jesus' name. You and your nonsense plans. He sounds like a Christian Stephen Fry. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Every chain that has been blocking this woman, that's been holding her destiny, let it be loosed in Jesus' name. Let every chain be loosed in Jesus' name. This is deliverance taking place in Jesus' name right now. The evil spirit said it was a spirit of snake that had caused madness in the family. But right now we're seeing the name of Jesus Christ taking authority over this demonic spirit as she is being completely set free in Jesus' name. Guy doing color commentary. Is this an exorcism or a game of professional dodgeball? <laughs> you are free. Rise up in Jesus' name. You are free. You are free. Thank you, Lord Jesus. My name is Linda Nambili. I'm coming from Namibia. I came to visit in UK for six months. Uh, the reason that brought me here was a spiritual attack, no progress in life. When we were going to the prayer line, I, st I couldn't walk. Something was pulling, like muscles pulling in my leg. Before I reached there, I find myself like I can't see anybody else. It's just darkness and I'm screaming from there. The voice was talking deep there. I couldn't control it, but it's speaking against my control. So you were experiencing spiritual attack, but by the grace of God, you came to the anointing water service and were ministered with the anointing water, and Jesus Christ met you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now that you have received this wonderful deliverance, we encourage you to stay close to Jesus and far from sin so that this will remain permanent in your life. Amen. And this woman popping in at the end. She sounds like she's trying to close a deal on a home in the country. <laughs> or like Mel and Sue telling someone they're safe for this round of the Great British Bake Off. Lovely. So lovely. Well, tunnel off then. Good luck with not getting possessed again. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm free. <laughs> Be aware, acolytes. Exorcists are everywhere. Don't get suckered. By these sick fuckers. Exorcisms like what you just heard are bullshit. It's about power, it's about spectacle, and it's about money. Yeah, your money. If you don't contribute, they can't distribute. We'll be back after this with movie time and our look at Lucio Fulci's City of the Living Dead. Hang tight. Bad movies. The world is full of them. From low-budget crap fests to downright unwatchable. And only two men are willing to watch them all. So climb in and take your seat. This is Short Bus Cinema. Let's do it. Hey everyone, this is Johnny Krug from Kruger Nation. And this is Rick Morgan from the Helming Power Hour. And we have decided to team up and take you where no one has gone before. We're on a quest to find the world's worst movie, and we're doing it on the bus. 
Driving through cult classics in every genre to find holy grail of bad movies. So if you're looking for something different and more fun than you can stand, then climb on in. Short Bus Cinema is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. That's right, yo. Short Bus Cinema. We'd love to watch the movies you hate. living dead, a cursed city, where the gates of hell have been opened. You've got to, you must reclose those gates. We interrupt this program to bring you a special broadcast, in which police authorities have declared a state of emergency, effective immediately within Dunwich County. All citizens are requested to return to their homes as quickly as possible. In case of necessity, this station. When you were in this trance, did you see anything besides that tombstone? Oh, yes. I saw a priest. Who, by hanging himself, opened the gates of hell. what? It's All Saints Day. A demanding, implacable enemy whose search for blood is never satiated. We are back, and you've just heard the trailer for City of the Living Dead. This movie is also known as The Gates of Hell, and it's famous for its unflinching gore and violence. <laughs> Heavily edited before a theatrical release in Britain and banned outright in Germany, City of the Living Dead is one of the most notorious films of the 80s. So let's dive in. Uh, the first thing you want to know about City of the Living Dead is the awesome thing that is inscribed on a tombstone 
in the cemetery, and it says, "Beautiful." The soul that pines for eternity shall outlast death. You twilight dweller of the void, come. And it says Dunwich at the bottom of it, because that's where that grave is. I wonder if the parrot that pines for the fjords for eternity shall outlast death. <laughs> One can only hope. Uh, <laughs> so we get a view of this tombstone in the beginning, the very first scene, and there's this, like, priest wandering around the graveyard who looks like he's just hay fever galore <laughs> red-eyed red eyes bags under his eyes he looks like he's just been rolling around in a fucking field of ragweed he looks like hell <laughs> does and rather than take some fucking benadryl you know like a intelligent person he decides he's going to hang himself from a tree in said graveyard right which he does, and his eyes roll back in his head, and he still doesn't look any better. Mm-mm. Didn't he help the ragweed. Like he has hay fever after he's dead. Anyway, suddenly we learn, because we switch from the village of Dunwich, which I guess is somewhere in New England, uh, to New York, which I guess is also in New England. But there's a seance with a medium, and her name is Mary. She, she looks like a small, more than a medium. But... They're having a seance, and she sees this scene where the priest hangs herself. So she's viewing all of this with her third eye, and it freaks her out so much that she breaks the circle and just kind of collapses and... um, Goes into seizures. Yeah, and then she dies. Mm Mm-hmm. She dies. Yeah. Yeah. Mind you, we're five minutes into the movie. And already a psychic has keeled over from watching a priest hang himself with her astral projectionisms. Yeah, but then we get a really great scene because, of course, the cops show up, you know, like they do when somebody kills over. And uh, there's the really skeptical, you know, like chief cop doing the investigating. And he's walking around questioning people and all like... You expect me to believe this. You expect me to believe that this thing happened. And they're all like, yep, that's what happened, dude. Oh. And then one of the uniform cops is like, Chief, look! And there's this ball of flame that shoots up from the floor. And then they obviously reverse the film so it goes right back down. And, and the audio. Pops right back. Yeah, it's just... Wow, this was like the easiest way to possibly do this effect. Frap, frap, frap. And then you get this one medium, this little scrawny-looking woman with just this huge curly mass of hair on top of her head, and she's all like, "There are terrible things happening in a place very far away," <laughs> and you're like, "Okay, woman." terrible things you can't even begin to imagine unless you think about it in which case you might be able to imagine it but probably not probably not (laughs) uh christopher george shows up at this point he's playing a journalist his name is peter bell now christopher george if you know anything about schlock movies from the 70s and 80s he's always got a fucking cigar in his mouth and he's got that scowl let me in the door. We're not going to let you in. All right, fine. Whatever. <laughs> right. He doesn't really fight a whole lot. He's just like, all right, goddammit. I'm going to go over here and be angry about it. 
So he can't get in, like, to the apartment to actually see when shit, where shit went down there. But he does decide that he's going to go to Mary's grave. Now, when he gets to the cemetery, there are these two guys digging, you know, digging a hole for Mary's coffin. I swear to God, they look like Vince Vaughn and Howard Hessman. They do. They do. And they're probably the funniest characters in the whole goddamn movie. Well, yeah, because everything else that's funny in the movie is not intentional. Yeah, so there's some weird stilted dialogue between uh, Peter Bill and the the grave diggers, and they end up just walking off, like in the middle of burying Mary. They they put a little bit of dirt on top of the coffin, like just a dusting, and they're like, "Oh, you know what? Lunchtime, bitches, we're out." It's union hours. <laughs> Yeah, that's what they tell him. Union hours. And he's all like, wait, you're just going to leave her like this? And they're yep. all like, she ain't in no hurry. Sure she's, enough. She done dead. They bug her she off. got to do a goddamn thing because of her deadness. <laughs> and then we get the longest, <gasps> did you hear that? Scene, like, ever. Oh, sweet Jesus. Yeah, um, Mary, who has been dead for, what do we figure, about three days, four days? Mm, something like that. Yeah, she's not dead. So she's in her um, coffin, banging on the roof of it, and she's trying to scratch her way out of it. She's got a mirror in her coffin for some reason. Like, if you wake up, I guess you were like, okay, well, I guess I'm not dead. I don't know what the point of putting a mirror in a coffin is. I'm sure there's some kind of weird Victorian reason for that, but I am not aware of it. A mirror and an unknown light source, because we can see her face (laughs) through the whole thing. They put a glow stick down by her feet. I guess it's like a buried alive, you know, emergency kit. You've got uh, a glow stick and you've got a mirror. If you break the mirror, you can use the shards of the mirror to scratch through the top of the coffin. Um, anyway, it's some weird shit. She starts begging on it and screaming. And Christopher George's character is like, hmm, I thought I heard something. Nah, I guess not. Meanwhile, everybody's away. going, why the hell didn't they embalm her before they put her in the ground? But, yeah. Right? So anyway, she was unembalmed, she was prematurely buried, and finally he realizes that these noises he's hearing, the banging and the screaming, is coming from Mary's coffin. (laughs) So what do you do when you have a situation like that? Well, the first thing you do is you grab a fucking pickaxe. And try not to kill the person in the coffin. Because when he tries to pry the coffin open with the pickaxe, that blade is coming about an inch away from her fucking face. Three times, mind you. Three times he very nearly sends the tip of the pickaxe into her skull. And I don't understand why he wasn't like, maybe I should try by her feet. (laughs) No. He's just like, ah, we're going to put this right by her head, (laughs) goddammit. If she's smart, she'll move. Yeah, I don't. She'll move the entire three inches that she has to move inside (laughs) that coffin. So anyway, he digs her out. And, you know, yay, he saved her, whatever. They go back to uh, the other medium's apartment, the one who is not Barbara Streisand, even though she looks like a (laughs) a much smaller version of her. And she's telling them that the death of this priest is going to open the gates of hell if they don't stop it by All Saints Day. 
Now, how to stop it, she doesn't really have those answers. Just you've got to go to the village of Dunwich and try to stop this horrible thing before it happens on All Saints, which is what, like two days? All Saints, it's like Something two days like that. that, yeah. And she doesn't, she's not like, I know how to do this. I I have this knowledge. I'm going to go with you. No, she's like, you have to do this. No, she's just like, I just put in some curl relaxer and right. I can't do anything. For the next couple of weeks, so this is too all up outside. to you guys. It's too humid. It just makes my hair frizz, and I hate it. Yeah, so, you know, the journalist is all like, oh, all right, must be my responsibility. I'm going to fuck off to Dunwich and, and try to fix this. Now, one of the things that just drives me nuts about this is that apparently – Wherever the fuck Dunwich is, I guess it's in Massachusetts because it is supposed to be where the old Salem was. Really? Like, what? Yeah. You missed that? that? They dropped that home like twice in this movie. But if that's where the old Salem was, what about the Salem that's there now that is supposed to be old Salem? It's apparently a farce. Damn it. Old New Salem. Old New Salem. It's called Dunwich. uh, That's... Okay, that's fucking dumb. Anyway, at that point, the movie switches from New York to old New Dunwich City, Salem, Massachusetts. Salem, yeah. And that's where we get to meet uh, Bob. Bob. Now, Bob is played by one of my favorite actors, uh, Giovanni Lombardo Radice. Um, you've seen him in 800 other Italian horror films before. so He's, he's a twitchy great. fucker, yeah. Especially in this one, because really, Bob's just kind of hanging out at this abandoned house, and it's just him and his love doll. His and it looks doll. like the same love doll that Dennis Hopper had in River's Edge. I could be wrong about that. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so Bob and his real girl are just kind of wandering about the abandoned house. It's a big windstorm outside, and all of a sudden he sees, it looks like worm and shit soup. It does. On the floor. But according to some sources, that's supposed to be the corpse of a rotting baby. And I never picked up on that. Yeah. I don't know how you could pick on pick up on that from just what we saw in the movie. I mean, because obviously. There's no shape to it. No. It could have been an animal for all we fucking know. Right. So I don't know what it is. Anyway, whatever it is, it's rotted and it's gross. Yeah. Bob freaks out. Yeah. Meanwhile, over at the bar, which I can't remember the name of the bar, so we'll just call it the bar, there are these guys at the bar who are just like, everybody has disappeared. I think it's Bob's fault. I'm going to blame Bob on everything because he's slightly retarded and has a fuck doll. Fucking Bob. God damn it, Bob. Bob, you shithead. Um, Anyway, there's like a slight earthquake and the wall cracks and the mirror breaks and the guys at the bar are like, that's fucking weird. I bet that's Bob's fault, too. They freak the fuck out, dude. Yeah, fucking Bob making the bar fall apart. Mm-hmm. And then they make the, the one mistake. Well, not the one mistake, but they make one of the top ten mistakes that you don't make in a horror movie. You don't walk out into the fog. They totally walk out into the fog. <laughs> it's okay, though, because they're still alive. They, they come back later. They come yeah, back later. they do, but it's just... But still, dumb. yeah, it's fucking dumb. You don't go into the fog. You may as well just split up. You know? Right? Exactly. Just, yeah. you know. Anyway, so. Was there, f- was there fog? Yeah, outside the door, dude. It's all glowy and shit, too. They open the door, and it's like a fucking fog machine is going off outside. There ain't no fog bank there. There ain't no fog bank out there. 
Yeah. Right. So now we meet one of our other main characters, and his name is Jerry. Jerry the therapist. Jerry the therapist has a shitty body perm. Jerry the therapist looks like <laughs> Joey Rivera, the 70s and 80s porn star. He does, and he is a ridiculously calm and logical individual. Like, he's in the middle of a fucking therapy session with Sandra. Right. Another one of the main characters. So they're in the middle of their fucking therapy session and Sandra is just getting into the meat of things when his girlfriend just walks in, interrupts the session. Nobody seems to give a shit. They sit there and have a conversation in front of Sandra like, oh, sorry, Sandra, didn't mean to interrupt. And Sandra's like, oh, it's good. It's all it's fine. And Sandra was just talking about how she wants to gargle Jerry's cock. (laughs) And his girlfriend, Emily, walks in. Oh, hi, Sandra. Are you still having displacement issues? Transference? Oh, I'm going to go see Bab. Because <laughs> Emily really wants to help Bab. For reasons unknown. <sighs> like, all the women in this town are really sympathetic to Bob, but all the men hate him. So, like, I don't know. Maybe he's got a really big dick, and he's banged all the chicks in town, and they're all like, Oh, Bob, he's sweet. It's hard to tell, because you're right. All the women all the women love Bob. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't look like he's porked any of them. No, it really doesn't, actually. Because he's twitchy as shit, and they're all like, Oh, God, I don't want to get pregnant with Bob's baby. Nobody wants Bob, baby. Maybe they uh, just feel sorry for him. He could be well, impotent. Well, that's what handjobs are for. Okay, he could be impotent. I don't think if he was impotent, he wouldn't have a love doll. Well, who the fuck would finger a love doll? That's not fun. Well, just because you're impotent doesn't mean you don't want to have sex. It just means you know your dick's not cooperating with it. Okay, that may be true, but still, if you're impotent at that point, I don't even know why you would take the time to purchase a love doll. You know, you can get a pack of balloons at the drugstore for ninety nine cents. That's you blow true. them up halfway, you put your fingers in the other end, blah, blah, I'm done, thanks. <laughs> so anyway, Emily, the t- therapist's girlfriend, goes to the house to try to find Bob, and she also finds the shit soup worm sandwich that's on the floor, and then she gets murdered by the ghost of the dead priest who smothers her with his big flappy hand. <laughs> Yeah, but they, they're not at the house at this point. They're in like a garage or somewhere. Bob has relocated. Like he left that fucking house. He was like, nope, there's like a corpse in the bed. Fuck this. I'm going somewhere else. So they're in like a garage. She goes in there and finds him. And uh, yeah, she gets she gets like a warm pie in the face by the by the dead priest. <laughs> it's really gross, actually. Kind of like a cream pie, but not, yeah, but not. That's a worm pie. It's a worm pie. That it's really horrible. disgusting. There's, it's all muddy and like you can only imagine. There's just all kinds of bl- black and brown, juicy stuff mixed in with the earthworms. That's kind of what I imagine it's like to fuck Whoopi Goldberg. So anyway, now we cut to this couple that's in a truck. They're in a pickup truck, and it's one of those awkward teenage dates where it's like, are you going to touch my dick? Are you going to touch it or what? Come on. What's Come wrong on. With you? Why are you treating me like a stranger? And she's right. all like, why did you bring me here? This is really creepy. I don't like it. I think they're at the graveyard making out, like, parked. See? And that would so work for us. It would. doesn't work oh, for everybody, my... though. Well, I know. Um, well, and she pays for it. She does because she the does. fucking <laughs> the scene is amazing. Like she's all like, "Sorry, Tommy, but I keep thinking that, like, somebody's out there spying on us." 
Come on, there isn't anyone out there. Watch, I'll turn on the headlights. And he turns on the fucking headlights, right? And so there's nobody, nobody, nobody. Boom! Ah! Fucking priest is standing there right in front of the truck. In the and headlights. That's, and that's one thing you have to understand about this movie is it has fucking teleporting zombies. Teleporting, yes. Every, like, evil thing in this movie just it, right off the Enterprise. Bam. Teleported so, down. <laughs> so it's not like Psychomania, which we reviewed a couple of episodes ago where all the dead people have motorcycles. These people just, boom, they're just, they're just right there. They just, they're like ninja teleporting zombies. So anyway, the girl in the truck sees dead Father Thomas with his bad allergies, <laughs> and her eyes start bleeding, and then she starts throwing up. Now, that's usually not a good sign if you want to blow job at Yeah. puking, pretty much take your dick out of the mouth. But, but what she's puking is pretty unique. Well, in the movie, she is vomiting out her own internal organs. Mm -hmm. Now, in real life, the actress's name is Daniela Doria, I think is her name. She is actually vomiting cheap guts out of her own mouth. Cheap guts. Can you imagine? How, how fucking bad do you want a part that you're going to sit in the cab of a van with fake blood rolling out of your eyes and a mouthful of cheap guts? It's pretty much, you know what? You can have anal sex with Lucio Fulci, or he can put sheep guts in your mouth, and they'll just pull them out with a fishing line. I think I would have to go for the anal sex. Well, she did not. She yeah. went for the sheep guts. And we're glad for it, because this is an amazing and disgusting fucking scene. It is an iconic scene. Yeah. It is something that you really don't see in any other film. Some of the times she's done literally puking her guts up, um... She is zombified, and she reaches around to the back of her boyfriend's head. Her boyfriend, by the way, played by uh, Michele Suave, the director of The Church, Suave. Cemetery Man. Um, he's just a renowned Italian horror icon. And she reaches around, and in this movie, for some reason, I don't know if everybody grew up under power lines... <laughs> Or what it is. They still have but really soft spots in the back their of their head. Their fontanelles just never yeah. harden. So she just squeezes the back of his skull until she can kind of wrench the back of his head out and his brains fall out. Yep. Really squishy. Squishy skulls, man. So, of course, everybody in town blames Bob for this disappearance as well. It's like, poor Bob. He's just the fucking scapegoat for everything. And this guy is just like, you know what? He's... He's a transient, he's not quite right in the head, and he's just trying to run around and stay away from the bad crazy, which there is plenty of in here. There's lots of it. Um, so at this point, Peter, the journalist, and Mary, the psychic, who was dead and now is not dead anymore, <laughs> start making their way towards the village of Dunwich, which is fine, because Dunwich is going crazy. Bob, our you know, fucked all loving young criminal um, sees the ghost of the dead priest. Meanwhile, and this is what I don't get. This is what I don't get. Okay. okay. Uh, Peter this is and, the only thing you don't get. This is a thing <laughs> <laughs> in a long list of things that I don't get about this movie. Okay. So P Mary was doing the seance in New York. Okay. It says so. There's a there's a legend at the bottom, New York. Right. So Peter and Mary are coming from New York to go to Dunwich. However, 
the therapist's patient, Sandra, apparently, apparently Sandra and Emily, his girlfriend, both live in Dunwich. So how far away from New York is Dunwich? No, I can prove this later. I can prove this. Because in Dunwich, um, well, first, okay, I'm, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So so basically, everybody that you've met in the movie so far is dead, except for Peter and our main four people. There's a mortician who's trying to steal some jewelry off of an old woman's corpse, because he's a shithead, he's a bastard. Yep. And the corpse bites him on the hand. Now, remember the therapist girlfriend who was trying to help Bab? Well, her ghost shows up in her little brother's room, and her little brother is named John John. John John. Why? Why? No one's been named John John since John <laughs> F. Kennedy Jr. <laughs> How diehard of a Democrat do you have to be to name your kid John John? <laughs> John John. Yeah, so she shows up. She's actually looking in the window, and poor little John John is traumatized by this, and he goes running to his parents' room, and he's like, Emily's gonna get me! She's gonna get me! And the mom is like, oh, oh! And the dad's like, oh, you're just imagining things. Go to bed. Go back to your room. And the kid is just, like, sobbing, scared to fucking death that Emily is gonna get him. Which, rightly so, because she looks really fucked up looking in his window. Her face is all, like, rotting and shit, and she's got worms hanging off of her. Lots of worms. Love you, Fulci. Beautiful. Well, it looks like somebody just took a bowl of strawberry special K that had been sitting in milk for a couple of days and just yeah. slapped it on her face. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. Um, so anyway, the corpse of the woman that bit the mortician that was trying to steal the jewelry that lived in the house that Jack built <laughs> shows up in Sandra's kitchen. And she did calls, we mention, guys, did we mention that this movie is completely batshit crazy? Because it is. It doesn't make a goddamn bit of sense. So, so anyway, there's the corpse in the kitchen, and Sandra's like, "I have to call my, I have to call Jerry. Jerry, my therapist, please come all the way down from fucking New York." And he's there in like literally fucking five minutes. Because that's what you do when a corpse breaks into your kitchen. You call your therapist. Yeah. Like so. Yeah. <laughs> so I would do. You call your therapist. You get your handgun out of the top drawer, which is what Sandra does because she's smart. Anyway, the therapist comes over and pretty much verifies, yes, you're not crazy. There is the corpse of a dead woman in your kitchen. So, As opposed to the corpse of a live woman. Right. <laughs> okay, if you're going to be a smartass about this, I don't know what to tell you. Always. So anyway, while they're, looking at the, while they're looking at the dead woman's corpse, a window breaks and the glass flies into the opposite wall. And then the walls bleed. So they Time leave. to go. Yeah, time, yeah, bye. bye. We're out. Mm -mm. Walls bleed, y'all get the fuck out of town. That's right. That's some Abbeville shit that I don't have time for. Right, right. Well, <laughs> while all this is going on, poor Bob is still wandering around, like, fucking freaked out, trying to hide from the evil crazy that's following him around, apparently, for no real known reason. So like he's, twitchy, he's like a twitchy Bill Bixby of the Incredible Hulk. He is. Poor guy. But he climbs through the window of a garage of, of one of the the townspeople, and he's, like, looking around for somewhere to sleep because he doesn't have a home, and he's trying to hide from the crazy shit. So he's like, oh, great, they got a car. I'm going to climb into the back seat and, and sleep here, which he does. And um, in the morning, 
the teenage daughter comes out into the garage and doesn't realize he's in there. She goes to her stash in the garage wall and she's like, Oh, she sees Bob. She's like, hi, Bob, how you doing? And climbs in the back seat with him. And she's like, you want to smoke a joint? And he's all like, yeah. And then of course, daddy comes out. Every morning there's some marijuana in the spare tire of my daddy's two car garage. <laughs> well, needless to say, daddy's not real happy about seeing Bob in the back seat of his car with his little girl. And he goes nuts. And here's the second iconic scene from this film. Yeah. Daddy's got a drill press. He keeps on a bench. Like you do. And when, and when Bob comes home, he never gets no rest. <laughs> so he fucking, fucking beats Bob down to where his head is right by the drill bit. Turns the drill press on and fucking drills right through Bob's head. Right through it, man. In I one cheekbone, out the other. And it's an amazing effect. Even if I knew how they did that, I wouldn't want to know how they did that because it's insanely great. <laughs> There's screaming and rippling flesh and blood flying everywhere. And it's, it's great. It's one of the craziest kills you will ever see in a horror film. And then Daddy just kind of stands there. He turns off the drill and he's just like, oh, okay, well, well that's done. Time for dinner. <laughs> Gonna go do the washing up now. <laughs> I have some hamburger helper I'm looking forward to tonight. <laughs> Meanwhile, Peter and Mary have finally made their way from New York to Dunwich. And their first stop is the graveyard. They want to find this dead priest's tomb. And they meet Jerry and Sandra. And they just begin kind of sharing stories of weirdness. Hey, do you know a dead priest? I certainly do. Wow, that's some weird shit. Let's go into this fucking abandoned cabin and talk about it. Well, the weird thing is they're in the, the graveyard and Jerry shows up in the graveyard. And before Jerry shows up, they're all like, we're running out of time. All Saints Day is almost here. We have to hurry. It's only a few hours away. And then Jerry shows up and they start talking to him and they leave the graveyard like they go to his house or his office or something <laughs> like suddenly not in a big hurry and they're sitting there with him and Sandra and just having a nice cuppa and a conversation about <laughs> what's going on and you're just like I thought you were in a hurry but it pays off. no longer time sensitive? Yeah, yeah well the, the the bad, evil, crazy has, has found out that they're in town. And they've left a window open. Like dum-dums. And for reasons that are not explained, all of a sudden, it's like this storm of maggots just starts blowing fucking worms through the window. And they're like, they're all covered with maggots. It's literally like a maggot monsoon. Like you could imagine a stagehand just dumping buckets of mealworms into like a baseball throwing machine. Snowblower of maggots. And it lasts for like two minutes. <laughs> and I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, these actors are going to be pulling maggots out of their underwear for days <laughs> after this. I mean, it's one thing to get sand in your crack. Yeah, but maggots. <laughs> God damn, dude. That's commitment <laughs> to the craft. And then when it stops, it's like they just go, Bruh! 
They just kind of like do like a Scooby Doo cartoon head shake, shake and they're completely off. maggot free. It's hilarious. <laughs> Shake it off. Meanwhile, during the whole scene, they keep zooming in on each character's face, showing the maggots like stuck to their cheeks and their foreheads and wriggling around like they had airplane glue on their face before the snowblowers started going. So great. Then, uh, wherever they are, I mean, are they at Jerry's office? I don't know where the fuck they are. Anyway, I Jerry think, gets a call yeah. from Jerry gets a call from John Bob John, uh, John John, talking about his sister who apparently rose from the grave and killed his parents while he slept. So the four of them go pick up John John, and Sandra's like, "Oh, let's take him back to my apartment because apparently she lives in Dunwich." I guess. How does this make any sense in a time conscious sort of? It doesn't. Anyway. It doesn't. Nothing in this movie makes sense. So that's if that's the least of your worries. Um, so she takes the boy back to her place. And right as they're about to go in the door, uh, the ghost of the therapist's 19-year-old girlfriend, Emily, shows up and does the squishy skull thing, digs her fingers into the fontanelle of Sandra, and her brains leak out, and she's dead. So John John runs off into the night until he runs into Jerry, who sends the kids off. He sends John John off with the cops. Yeah. So... It's really hitting the fan now. It is. I was going to say things. If if you thought things were a little little nuts before this point, it just gets worse. Like no, don't talk, don't talk about John John like that. It's, <laughs> it just escalates from this point. So all the guys at the bar. You know, the old guys hanging out at the bar when the earthquake hit and the mirror broke and the wall cracked and they were all freaked out and ran out into the fog. They get killed by heaven in a little rowboat. They yes. Well, I don't know. I don't know. They get killed by dead Bob and dead Emily. I guess there's I don't know. They're corpses anyway. You can't really tell them apart too well. But anyway, they get killed, and all of our 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 heroes go off to the cemetery right as All Saints Day starts because they've wasted all this fucking time drinking coffee in Jerry's office, and now all of a sudden they're like, oh fuck, we got to get back to the cemetery. So they get there, and so they get there. <laughs> So if finally, eventually, they get back to their investigation that was all so important and time-sensitive before. So now they're back in the cemetery, and they find caverns. They find, like, an entrance to a cavern under the dead priest's tomb, okay? And this is not good. This is not good. You don't go into a cavern under a dead priest's tomb. We all fucking know this. But you know what? They go in there, and yeah. what happens? They find these fucking corpse, demon-looking ghoul things. There's at least six of them under there. So, which is great because that's the that's the gates of hell opening, which tells you that there are at least six people in hell. <laughs> at least. Six. So I don't know. Somehow I think my odds are pretty good. Uh. <laughs> well, and it, it's at this point that our buddy, the journalist Christopher George, gets his brain squeezed out. You know. Because his skull is apparently really soft too. Right on, um, and it's really sad because he is the main the main character. But anyway, Jerry the therapist happens to find a wooden cross, a big one. And what he does is he takes that wooden cross and he sticks it into the dead priest's stomach, and the dead priest 
um, immediately catches on fire. Just bursts into flames. Yeah. yeah. And when he bursts into flames, all the other um, dead corpse ghoul things <laughs> burst into flames. <laughs> I don't know what to call them. I mean, are they zombies? I don't know what you call them because there's there's something unique about Fulci zombies, like really unique. Not only do they teleport, but they also roar like fucking lions. Like you expect to look over and see a couple of lions fucking in the alley. You don't expect to see this zombie-like corpse thing. So everybody's on fire. Yep. Priest on fire, <laughs> rolling down the road. And now we get to go into the final scene of this film. Jerry and Mary and John John are pretty much the only people left alive in this town, other than a couple of cops. So Jerry and Mary climb out of the tomb, right? And it's morning. The cops are there. They have little John John, who is overjoyed to see that Jerry and Mary have lived through this horrific thing that happened to their town, which nobody can explain and ever will. So he takes off running away from the cops towards Jerry and Mary. And then we get this scene where Jerry and Mary are looking at John John, and suddenly they're just terrified and Mary screams, and it zooms in on John John, and then freeze frame, and that's the end of the fucking film. No, because and, the, the screen starts to crack like a mirror. And we, why? What okay. the fuck happens? Okay, no, 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 because here's how Wikipedia describes the ending, okay? And this doesn't help, but I just want to get this out there. <laughs> Mary and Jerry exit from Father Thomas's tomb into the graveyard at morning to see John John and the police. Mary and Jerry's relief turns to shock as the realization of the past events becomes all too clear. Mary begins to scream as John John is running towards them before the film crumbles to black. The fuck does that even mean? That doesn't mean shit. That's a fuck. That's just fucking word spaghetti. That means we didn't know what it meant either. Realization of past events? Did they stop it or not? Is John John another demon ghoul? He doesn't look like a zombie. His face is reasonably clear for someone his age. I don't understand what the shit this means. It's just, it's, it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you're right. Not a bit of goddamn sense. But you know no. what? So chuck full of gore, horror, eye candy. It's amazing. It is epic. And I love it. Yeah, I'm pretty fond of it myself. <laughs> well, maybe Chef Al can give us some insight into the end of that movie. And probably whip up something delicious for us to munch on in the meantime. Pull yeah, because food's what I want right now. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, maybe there'll be maggots. I don't know. <laughs> Pull up your chairs, acolytes. It's time for The Devil Eats Out with Chef Al McPherson. You, you can have dinner with us. You like head cheese. My brother makes it real good. You like it. Do you know if you said two ripe bananas, you put them in a bowl and you put some sugar and you go ahead and bake it for 400, you can go ahead and pull it out and have yourself banana bread. Hallelujah. Pancakes. 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 Pancakes! No pancakes! Nah, fuck off, I'm full. 
Hello. Ow! Am I sensible? I don't know about that. Are What's you my captain sensible? Yeah, well, can I pass? <laughs> I guess that's the question. If you say captain, you say what? <laughs> I say what you want. <laughs> awesome. God damn it, I love mm. it when Alan gets my seriously obscure musical references. <laughs> I do what I can. <laughs> we just got finished with our um, highly scholarly and technical <laughs> uh, review of City of the Living Dead. Tell me, what did, what, did, what did you think of the film? City of the Living Dead? Yes. Um, I, I have a lot of affection for City of the Living Dead. Good. Um, I, I, having uh, just rewatched it, um, I still do. Uh, it was funny. I was like, oh, I should brush up on this before going into this. And it's like, while going through it, it was... I guess I didn't really necessarily need to because it was all stood out pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so this is one I, I this is one I go back to fairly frequently, and it's one I quite enjoy. Um, I think it kind of gets a bit of a bad rap uh, compared to some of the Fulci's other stuff, like the Beyond. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, I think it's a pretty solid watch if you can, you know, if you can handle sort of uh, Italian rubber reality stuff, then. Uh, then I think you should be pretty good with this. Did you just say rubber reality? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess I could come. <laughs> no, that's it, keep that's it. it. That's fucking great. That, that was one. I think that was a Kevin Yeager, the special effects guy. Uh, something that he used to drop in like interviews in Fango. Uh, I remember that. I remember reading like, a lot of Kevin Yeager interviews. Yeah, I could be misattributing that, but that was a term that I heard back then that I that I quite liked, and it's stuck with me since. That's that's uh, great. Mm. Now we're into pixel reality, but uh, the principles. I like rubber reality much better than pixel reality. <laughs> you can take that any way you want. So, t- so tell me, what did you think happened at the end of City of the Living Dead? Oh, because um, like I have in, no like fucking K-fabe, idea. Like, like, not that the projection, not that the editor spilled coffee on on the master or something like that. Um, It's the China syndrome. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Let's see here. Mm. What do I think happened? Um, Okay. Oh, boy. I have a pet theory, and it kind of goes... Oh, geez. This is going to be kind of like trying to make sense of uh, City of the Living Dead is kind of like trying to explain uh, Lucha Underground to Jim Cornette. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a fool's errand, but... Because he doesn't know he's Dario Cueto. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he would want to be, you know... If he was given that role, he'd do a really good job of it. Totally. <laughs> um, oh, fuck. I think that it's a City of the Living Dead is a total inversion business. Um, my pet theory is that uh, Mary Woodhouse is actually dead through the entire thing. Really? Yeah, I think she's a reanimated dead person, like right from the beginning. I don't think that it was a near-death experience at the beginning of the film in the seance. I think she's actually crossed over. Um, and, uh, it's sort of what is living is dead and what is dead is living. And I think you could play that ending where John, John, 
It's the best name. <laughs> is running at them, and then they're screaming for no apparent reason, and then reality shatters into a spider web. Is this sort of like realization that they're actually they've been dead the whole time, huh. or at least she is, huh. or everything is kind of fucked up. And all that of this is based most... on embalming fluid. No, go ahead. That's like the most fascinating theory I've ever heard about this film. Well, well, one of the things that the movie gets a lot of stick for is uh, and it's the, the great tense scene where she is saved by the world's worst journalist uh, <laughs> from being buried alive. Like, uh, the, the, it gets brought up. It's kind of crazy that she's buried so quickly. She's obviously not embalmed. And yet there's another scene in the film where they show embalming. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that's on the radar in this that, you know, that that's something that the movie acknowledges that, yes, you embalm people before you put them in the ground. I almost kind of think that's like, yeah, maybe she did go all the way and maybe she's actually a, like a, a living dead person by the time she gets out of that grave. Fascinating. Wow. So she's now I have to watch girl. it again with that in mind. Right. And you huh. get to see the maggot storm again. So that's all good. <laughs> Yay! Maggot monsoon. <laughs> see, that was the only problem I got to say with uh, this most recent rewatch is that uh, I love all the bits in this so much, but like watching the maggot storm this time, it's kind of like I wanted it to do it more. <laughs> Like I wanted that the bet where they get hit and everything, and then there's that moment of calm where they're kind of calm and they're brushing the grubs out of their hair, and then just when everything was calm, I kind of wanted another big splew of them to come in through the window right at that point, and then they go through that again and knock them all out of the hair again, and then the phone rings, and he goes to pick up the phone and brushes all the maggots off the phone and sticks the receivers up to his ear, and then they come flying out of the receiver into his ear. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> just could have gone on and on. I'm, I'm, I've just got maggot desensitized. I guess. <laughs> then it would turn out to be like one of the, like a fucking skit in Family Guy, where you just like it goes on for five minutes too long, and you're just like, oh, this is so uncomfortable. <sighs> but I don't want it to end. <laughs> I see it kind of like. Uh, uh, do you remember the program? Uh, you can't do that on television. I do. Yes. With the slime. I can just picture like the maggots inconveniently coming flying down on people at inopportune moments. I can Is there ever an opportunity? Is flying into people at inopportune <laughs> moments? So. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like I've never been in one of those situations. Like it would be great if a bunch of maggots came falling on my head right now. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so tell us, after watching City of the Living Dead, what kind of delicious recipe did you come up with after that? Some toasted mealworms? Oh, uh, this one, actually, uh, peeking behind the curtain, is relatively uh, a short notice, which was, was really good. It was. Because I kind of jumped on the first thing that came to me, and uh, in, in spite of there's like a lot of material, like, you know, mealworms... Um, uh, edible grubs. Uh, I, I don't want to go to the well too many times with doing like massive slews of organ meats. <laughs> but you do have like an entire intestinal tract coming out of like somebody's mouth, uh, so, which you know that that's that's kind of you know uh, a bit of a gimme there. But 
first thing that crossed my mind was like, okay, it's Fulci, you gotta do something kind of Italian. You have to have a bit of a reference, I think, to the maggots. So um, I could not get any uh, uh, Kazumaru, the, the uh, uh, worm larvae inoculated cheese. Uh, that is, is that, that is real? a thing in Italy. That's real. That's real. Oh, and it's not geez. easy for import into North America, funny enough. Oh, imagine that. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with like 48 hours. I think I'm on a watch list from hitting Amazon. <laughs> so I thought I'd start with a base. I-, I thought we'd go for like a risotto. So you have a nice like creamy, gooey, ricey kind of a thing. Um, classic Italian dish. And... Uh, but that in and of itself, not the most dramatic. But one of the things about City of the Living Dead that I find kind of interesting, in uh, especially in contrast to some of all, uh, Fulci's other stuff, where he's kind of like called the you know king of the eyeball gag. Mm-hmm. Um, in this one, the reincurring like death routine is the zombie death pinch to the back of the skull. <laughs> <laughs> zombie death right? pinch. It's pretty good, you know? Like, they, get, they must have some serious tensile strength on there to, like, just, like, boink! Like, right through the back of the skull and, like, squeeze the brain out. That's pretty good. So, um, getting brains, not so not so easy, but I uh, was able to land some, uh, some sweetbreads. So I figured that would be about as close to brains as you can get. Nice. So uh, I went for, and again, I don't necessarily want to go for the organ meats all the time, but this seemed appropriate. Uh, and they're not like gross, red, bloody organ meats. They're creamy, white, soft, meaty pillows. Um, so I thought that would be the way to go with this. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so you're not talking me into this. Sorry. I mean, hala. Something studded with like raisins and orange peel, and, and yeah, that shitty like royal icing on the top of it. Yeah, mm. has that nice sheen. Yeah, no, uh, I'm talking thalamus glands. Um, oh boy, I have, I have, I have a I had a friend who, who's a chef actually. Uh, now um, she lives in a different city, and she went through a thing where she was vegetarian for a while, and. Uh, she called me one night really excitedly telling me that she wasn't a vegetarian anymore and she wanted to eat meat. So I immediately invited her over to my place and I served sweet breads to her on the Which was, on hindsight, I should have maybe just stuck with like chicken breasts or something. But, You're such a um, bastard, Al. Such a bastard. I can't help it. I can't help it. I gotta be me. <laughs> but sweet breads are a neglected you know, piece of eating. Um, they're really delicious, uh, and they re- and they require a little bit of you know a, a, a little bit of technique to make them good. But um, but once you have that, you know, it's it's kind of a if you, if you like any of the things that are kind of it's kind of like nature's chicken nugget. Mm. Like just the sort of you know, no, I'm not selling you on this at all, am I? Mm-mm, no. <laughs> I do appreciate the effort, however. But please, thank you. please, we want to hear all about it. We really do. <laughs> so what I wanted to go with, okay, like I said, there's not a lot of flavor in these things. They're, it's all about the texture, and it's just like a soft um, meat marshmallow uh, kind of a texture. It's the best way I can put it. So... <laughs> 
I have some pictures. I will be forwarding them on to you so you can fully get what I'm going for here. But uh, so the the thalamus in in, in this case, uh, there's there's two types of sweetbreads basically. There's the there's the one that comes off the thalamus, and then there's the one that comes off the pancreas. And this is why, by the way, Silence of the Lambs is bullshit. The whole um, eating a guy's uh, sweetbreads with fava beans and Chianti and mug mug yeah. mug for the camera kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, adults don't have sweetbreads. Oh, they're glands that, like, through the uh, through adolescence, convert completely into fat. Hmm. So, if Hannibal Lecter was like supposedly eating sweetbreads off of a human being who was an adult male, not happening. Not happening. He was eating like a blob of fat. So, Lecter poser. Okay, <laughs> that's... that's good to know. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'll go up against him on chalk any day. Um, I would pay money to see that. <laughs> Just for the record. Maybe we can make this happen. Uh, <laughs> so, basically what you have to do with them, uh, they're kind of like a loose collection of, well, of gland that is held together in a membrane. And the membrane's unpleasant to eat, so you have to get that off. And basically the way you do that is by soaking them in something uh, kind of acidic. So what I did, I soaked them in uh, buttermilk overnight to firm them up, peel the membrane off really gently, and then just poach them in red wine uh, stock with some herbs. Then once that's done, I wrap them in, prosci- uh, in some prosciutto, because everything's better like that, and put a weight on them so they become nice and compressed, and then just grilled them over charcoal. And then I made just served that on top of... Uh, uh, of a uh, celery risotto. So I'm on a bit of a celery kick. So that was just basically rice cooked in a celery broth with uh, a little bit of celery root inside of it. Really, really simple. And uh, so I put your weight out on my thought. Oh my God, it's dolomite sweetbreads. <laughs> <laughs> where is Bucky and where is his thalamus? No more. <laughs> I'm kind of digging the idea of, of incorporating the celery. I think that that idea makes it almost sound palatable to me. So, almost. Well, well, you know, you can leave the meat part off, <laughs> and that's good, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it does lend it. It lends itself to that, uh, you know, sort of like earthy slash sweet kind of uh, funky kind of a thing going on there. Yeah. And it was, it's actually, it was a dead simple dish, and um, it was pretty good. And I, this is a first for one of these, because I'm actually digesting it now. Oh. Probably, I probably ate this about two hours ago, and I'm feeling very content and uh, lazy kittenish. Nice. Yeah. Did you have Chianti with it? No, I did not. I am drinking a. Um, Chilean red that I think is a blend of a bunch of things because I'm not very fussy and it's Sunday night. Works fair for enough. me, man. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. We're, we're drinking rum yeah, yeah. and sunny delight, so I guess we can't really be snobs <laughs> at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Have you given that a name yet? I'm not. Shit. Oh. Why haven't we? Because we've only wow. been drinking You're it for losing about... your mixologist cred. I don't know, four days now? Yeah. We just started drinking this particular mixture. 
we found its we found its glories right after my daughter's wedding, and it was like, yes, this is our drink this summer. This is the feel good drink of the summer. Yeah, dude. <laughs> totally. Maybe you should have a contest for somebody to come up and name it. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Totally for that. I'm for we'll just it. I'll call we'll them just... at four in the morning and sing to them. Yeah. Whoever wins. <laughs> We'll just put you that call out right now. Yeah. Acolytes, name that drink. Rum like, and Sunny D. If you would like X to call you at 2 in the morning and sing Creed, or if you yeah. like Alice to call you at 2 in the morning and sing Iggy Pop, then there you go. Those are your prizes. Oh, boy. So here's the best part, people. Listen, we're going to be back with Act 3 of the show after this, and Al's going to hang out. He's going to play our games with us. Hell yeah. Be here, for an, be here to answer your Ask the Goat question. So stay golden, pony boys. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right. We are Sweet break. I'm going to vape mm. quickly. Hey, this is X from Kiss the Goat. Do you know we have a website called KissTheGoat.com? You know what's at KissTheGoat.com? Tell them, cootie. Did you know that you can buy Kiss the Goat t-shirts and bottle caps and mugs and other apparel to show your support for your favorite podcast at KissTheGoat.com? Tell me more. <laughs> well, you can go to kissthegoat.com and click on Wear the Goat, and you will see a vast selection of apparel and accessories that you can purchase with your favorite podcast logo. Wear the Goat? Wear the Goat. Well, you say kissthegoat.com. <laughs> They're the Goat. Now it's time for a thorough, critical analysis of City of the Living Dead. We go through the fastest movie breakdown on the internet. Three questions! Three questions! <laughs> Stop! Who would crush the bridge of death must answer me these questions three. And the other side, you see. Trois questions. Vive la France. <laughs> Question number one. Was City of the Living Dead a devil movie? Who are you starting with on this? We got, we've got another person here. Well, I think the answer is fuck no. It was not a devil movie. But I would love to hear you guys' input too. Chef Al, what do you think? Um, even my uh, jazz playing outside logic cannot justify this as a devil movie. Mm-hmm. However, there are some really good elements. You've got the dead priest. Um, you have demons from hell, all six of them. But <laughs> but you never see the big guy roll in and try to take control. So unfortunately, no, this is not a devil movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, you could have shoulda. Woulda coulda shoulda. Yeah, exactly. You, I mean, you've really got a these zombie movie. Well, you've got these ghoulish characters, but you don't really, I mean, nobody comes in throwing around holy water, so it's not like definitively these are demonic characters. They're just ghouls that eat people or rip people's skulls open from behind. Yeah, the only time a cross comes into play, it I could have been just any piece of lumber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he stabs a priest with it, for Christ's sake. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Well, nobody's sad about that. I mean, nobody. You know. Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't like an old yeller moment or anything. Like, 
I gotta take old demon priesty out in the back and do what a man's gonna do. You know? No, Pop, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question two on a scale of one to six: How many horns high do you give this movie? I give it a solid five horns high. This is my favorite Fulci. Well, it kind of runs neck and neck with the Beyond, but I think this one takes the cake just for its sheer absurdity. And, dude, there's... Because the the Beyond made so much fucking sense. Well, no, it didn't. But this one is just... (laughs) (laughs) Kiss my ass. This one's more over the top, I think, than the Beyond is, and I love it. This one has more Gibbons screeching in New England than the Beyond did. <laughs> it does. So, uh, so you know, it's got to get points for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how many horns, Alan? Oh, I got to go with five, too. Gotta go five. Nice. This is a blast. I also am going to go with five, because, <gasps> I mean... I am, because I love this movie. This is a movie that I actually learned about when I was a little, little kid under its original title, The Gates of Hell. And it was one that I always wanted to see. So when I finally got to see it under the City of the Living Dead title, I was like, this is amazing. You know, <laughs> this is this is me defying my parents' wishes and finally watching this terrible film. So, yeah. So I've got some emotional attachment to this. So definitely a five. That's awesome. Yes. We so rarely, like, agree on the scoring of a movie that's fantastic. That's true. Fulci brings the world together. It does. does. I love you. I love you, Lucio. Okay. Uh, Just like Lady Gaga does now. (laughs) (laughs) Super Bowl, bitch. (laughs) I just did Bruce Pritchard's Jim Cornette impression. Lady Gaga, motherfucker. All right, all right. Question number three. If we haven't already answered this question, which we probably have, but why should our listeners watch City of the Living Dead, or should they? Because when you squeeze the back of someone's head real hard, squirrel brains fall out. (laughs) Kind of big for squirrel brains. It's more like Not in Christopher George's case, those were tiny little fuckers. My balls are bigger than his brains in that movie. (laughs) Poor little Kolchak. (laughs) What do you think, Chef Al? I think you should see this for mansplaining psychiatrist. Oh, dude. There is lots of that. Oh, man. Just like, it's, it's just so, you know, Fulci's so good at like, decimating the church and religious orthodoxy it's nice to see him turn it on like flim flam psychiatry for a change um (laughs) so i i I really got off on that on mr ineffectual brain science guy um that's fantastic and uh john john is my favorite child (laughs) horror movie star that poor kid i'm starting a kickstarter for his therapy (laughs) because Holy shit. Like, next to the kids in Sallow, I cannot oh imagine, like, bouncing back from that, you know? <laughs> and at least the kids in Sallow get killed, so they don't have to deal with it. But this guy, what's he going to do? Oh, poor John John. Uh, I've had dishwashers and line cooks that were more well-adjusted. 
than than this guy's going to be. Holy smokes. He's going to end up at that same fucking work camp with Tommy Jarvis on Friday the 13th Part (laughs) 5. Oh, Jesus. Wait a minute. What what year was this movie made, honey? Um, uh, City of the Living Dead was 1980. 1980, okay. Friday the 13th Part 5 was at least 82 or 83. Okay, okay. Oh, this is some this is some rich and heady headcanon. Yeah, right. <laughs> Good stuff. He changed his name to Shelby. Um, <laughs> Shelley, <laughs> Shelley, not Shelby. Okay, question number. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. We're still answering this question. Yeah, um, no. Shit, I don't know if I can answer it any better than you guys did. Seriously, um, right? Because this movie is just fantastic. I mean, I don't know. I guess if people have some weird fetishes but if your fetish happens to be uh seeing a young woman vomit the entire um digestive system of a sheep out of her mouth then you're good to go with this this is do just, it this is wank material for days <laughs> <laughs> that yeah and the, that and the drill scene were the two reasons I was so, like, I've got to see this, because that just seems insane. You know, after seeing pictures of it in Fangoria when I was a kid, and then I actually saw it, and I was like, those pictures did not do it justice. This is batshit nope. crazy. Better than you could have imagined. Yep. Dude. Fucking and love if, it. If you're, like, fucking bored with Romero-type zombies... Which I have been haven't, for... Yeah, months. I know. If, if you haven't seen Fulci Zombies... You've got to fucking watch this movie because they are unlike anything you have ever seen. I guarantee goddamn to it. Well, they teleport. They roar they like do fucking whatever lions they and want. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, it's as if the blind dead could see. <laughs> Ooh. Right. Ah. That's your def- that's your definitive answer towards everything about this movie. <laughs> yeah. So now that we've had brains, maggots, and of course Alan's delicious recipe idea, it's time to help you watch this movie and get fucked up and do fucked up things. It's time for drinking with the devil, where your love of bad movies meets your disdain for your own liver. <laughs> Okay, no, we 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 didn't we didn't make up any we didn't do anything for this. No, we're, we're gonna have to do yeah, this on the fly. We're, we're, we're just doing this. That's we, that's cool. We should let Alan do one. Oh, I was or gonna or three. But we can let her do all of them. Right on. All right. So anyway, our first one was drink whenever you see somebody's eyes bleed. <laughs> that's a good one. Alan, what do you think? Drink. Anytime our intrepid heroes decide to take a pit stop from trying to beat the clock to prevent the end of the world. <laughs> That's also a good one. Um, let's see. Drink. Anytime you think, Jesus Christ, John John's going to be fucked up when he grows up. <laughs> Drink. Anytime that means I'm going to be drinking well after the movie's over. That's right. <laughs> Drink anytime you think Christopher George should really fucking light that cigar. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yep, that's a good one. Uh, let's see. I think that our grandmaster challenge should be drink. Anytime you have to wonder if that's actually a zombie making that noise or if you've stepped into an episode of Wild Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to that. Right. Right? I'll drink to that right the fuck now. Yeah. So now that we're getting shit faced, let's get into America's favorite game of questioning and answering Ask the Goat, where we answer your questions and you question our answers. I'll send you a love letter. Straight from my heart, fucker. You know what a love letter is? It's a bullet from a fucking gun, fucker. You receive a love letter from me, you're fucked forever. Our first question is from Rolf Pickler. Which critically acclaimed Oscar-winning drama do you think could have benefited from a satanic cult subplot? All of them. Oh, come That's a... No. <laughs> that is a cheap way out. Yeah, pick one. Shit, do I even know it? What Do I follow the fucking Oscars? I don't have any idea what is an Oscar-winning drama. Okay, well, well then my first thought is, ti- is Titanic. <laughs> because I think when oh, shit, what was his name? Joe? I don't know. Jack. Ro- Jack. Okay. Like when Rose and Jack are floating in the ocean, you know, there at the end, and she's like, "I'll hold on," and then she immediately lets go. That's because he was a sacrifice to her dark lord. Mm-hmm. Straight down to relay. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That is. That right. wasn't an iceberg, suckers. <laughs> <laughs> I would buy that. I probably would have enjoyed that movie if that were the case. I should. Okay, I'll play. Rain Man. What? Rain Man? (laughs) He's not autistic. He's a soulless alien homunculus. (laughs) That's why everyone's trying to keep him away from Tom Cruise, because he can't be let out into the world where he will eventually, like, reap pain and destruction. (laughs) Oh, boy. And Tom Cruise is going to cause all kinds of shit by taking him to Kmart. <laughs> He's an excellent driver. Excellent driver on the driveway. <laughs> Don't let him on the road! Don't let him on the roads! Walker, in 15 minutes, your mother sucks cocks in hell. I mean, it all fits. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I love it. I love it. Oh, God. Okay, so question number two is from Vanessa McHenry. She says, what do you think Satan would do for a Klondike bar? Or would he prefer a York peppermint patty? I got to think he's totally a peppermint patty guy. And uh, This, this kind of leads into what would Satan's favorite sweet treat be? <laughs> mm. Virgins. Virgins. <laughs> and redheads. I've had a couple of virgins. They're not as sweet as you would think they were. Um, <laughs> You've also had invest- at least one redhead. That's true, and that was and that was way better than the virgins I'd had. Um, uh, you know what? I think Satan would go for a zero bar. What? Because nobody wants to fucking eat that shit. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the worst candy bar. That or a Zagnut. Just the shittiest. Oh God! horrid candy bar you could think of where if you actually eat that, you probably deserve to be in hell. So, <laughs> Isn't Zagnut like the Babylonian word for Lord of the Flies or something? 
I think you're right, Al. I think that was. I think that's a pyramid. That's a. <laughs> oh right, yeah. I get that mixed up all the time. That's why Indiana Jones doesn't return my calls anywhere. Uh. That's right. Keeps asking for a Zagnut. I understand what he means. I would say when it comes to like Satan's like favorite ice cream confection, I think he would either go f- when I if you if you chalk it down to a Klondike bar or a peppermint patty. It would be whatever the people writhing around him in pain would be desiring the most would be the thing that he would eat in front of them well, and like yeah. eat ineffectively and allow it to like melt down his chin, but in such a way that like the drips can't get to them. <laughs> That's torturous. That little, yeah. that little extra turn of the screw, you know? So like those orange sherbet push-ups, is that what you're thinking? <laughs> Along those lines. I keep trying to like, Factor in it, like turn the Klondike bar into a Klondike Bill thing, but <laughs> I don't have the stamina for that right now. <laughs> Kielbasa ice cream. That's um... goodness. Oh my god! All right, Brock Gerard wants to know if you could wish a movie into existence where the antagonist is the ruler of the bad place, but cannot be the Christian devil or related to Christian myth or theology, who would that antagonist be? That is a complicated, difficult question to answer. Jesus, if you could wish a movie into existence where the antagonist is the ruler of a bad place, that cannot be the Christian devil or related to Christian myth or theology, who would that antagonist be? My boss. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. A movie centered around our boss because he is a Christian businessman, quote, end quote. Um, Uh, I would would go with the Friends movie where Jennifer Aniston is pretty much Marduk. And you must (laughs) sacrifice... You must sacrifice um, children to her. Who had kids and friends? Did Ross and Rachel have kids? Did Monica and Chandler? I don't even know. I've never watched an episode of Friends in my fucking life. But I know at some point that maybe you could sacrifice Marcel the monkey to Marduk, and that would be okay. I'm for it. That sounds right. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Because fuck you for having a pet monkey, you hipster shit fuck. Fuck you with a hipster monkey. Oh my god. You well, are not Colin Malloy. Piss off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you leave Colin out of this. Right. I love right, him. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Al, do you have a better answer than that or anything to add to that? <laughs> Cause I'm no, my like... brain just shut down right there. Yeah. That's, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even try to top that. <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay, well, it wouldn't be asked to go without a question from Matt, the angry ginger. Let's see what Mr. Tangent has to ask us this time. Hey there, Ex and Cootie. So this time I had a question for you. Um, What movies did you introduce your kids to in horror? Or what would you think, uh, what movies, some good movies to introduce uh, younger audiences to? Um, my son, he really dug, dug like troll and like killer clowns from outer space. He's about, you know, 10, 11 area, uh, and gremlins. Anyways, just thought that'd be a great question. This is, uh, Matt the Angry Ginger here signing out. 
and what he's asking, because I'm not going to play the voicemail right now, but he wants to know what some good horror movies would be for kids who are just starting to get, it, to get into the genre. <laughs> well, that's a good question. What would be some good horror movies for the youngins? Um, you know, I look I look back at how I was raised, and this is a terrible question to ask me. I know. Well, I didn't really get into horror until I was an adult, but you could just, like, do the thing that traumatized me and actually, I think, probably geared me towards wanting to watch horror. Oh, and God, please tell them, this story. Show them. Show them just a snippet of The Shining at, like, seven years old, and then don't let them see anything even close to being a horror movie as long as they live under your roof from that that point forward, because that's what happened to me. That is great long-term planning. Right? That's, that's yeah. a commitment. <laughs> T- no, no. Absolutely. Cootie, tell them the psycho story. The psycho story? Oh, dude. Well, I've told that on the show before. Have you? Mm-hmm. It's still funny. <laughs> Where I watched, um, I guess that was probably, no, it wasn't the first full-length horror movie I ever watched, but it was like the second when I was 15 years old at my best friend's house, and it was Halloween, and we had a bonfire and roasted weenies and marshmallows, and her mother loved Halloween, so they like had the whole place decorated, and we stayed up late and watched Psycho. And I was completely just absorbed in the movie until the very last act when he came running out dressed in his mother's dress and wig. And then I literally fell off the couch laughing my ass off at the absurdity <laughs> of how he looked. And I loved it. I was so, like, I think that's what hooked me on just ridiculous. B horror movies, even though I know that's like not considered a B horror movie, but it was so absurd and it was so fucking funny and it was amazing and I loved it. So, the, Psycho probably is a good one to start the youngins on because it's not like intensely graphic, but it's like there's enough suspense there to keep you involved. What do you think, Al? That's a tough one. Um, it is. Very first movie I ever saw, um, and I, you saw it loosely, was The Exorcist. And oh. I was nine months old, and apparently my <laughs> father actually got into a fight with an usher, uh, taking me at that age into a drive-in. And <laughs> it, I only found that out years later. Like, And I had seen The Exorcist, like TV prints of it, when I was like 12, 14, and had the weirdest senses of deja vu about it. <laughs> so who knows when you have to get people early uh the one thing kids love monsters mm-hmm. that's true you know that's very true and you can get away with like like kids will get jazzed on just the idea of monsters and you can kind of get away with like ropey special effects monsters and things like that when they're at a younger age so i don't know like even like classic creature features might not be a bad place to start anything that kind of like sparks an imagination might not be a bad way to go oh uh, creature from the creature black from lagoon. the black lagoon yeah oh, that still scares me it does me too it's one yeah. of my favorites it's amazing it's one of the best realized looking monsters and it's actually like a pretty good story mm-hmm. that's not a bad one and if you get them young on something like that like you open up some sympathy for black and white stuff too yeah, and that's hard to come by these days. Mm-hmm. 
Um, my cousin Michelle has a youngin named Zoe, and Zoe wanted to start watching horror movies just so she could be like, you know, cool around her friends and stuff. And I offered some suggestions, and they took none of them, but they did end up watching, letting her watch The Village. Now, The Village may not be great oh, yeah. for adults, but for a kid, that's some scary shit. I can see that going on. Mm-hmm. Now, the first horror movie... I can see that I working watched, better. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, the first movie that I... The first horror movie that I remember seeing, I was nine years old, and it was Halloween, and it reduced me to tears and gave me just terrible dreams for years, and I still love that movie. So I don't know if I would suggest that, but it's probably kind of tame by today's standards. So yeah, I'd go Halloween. If you want to go for a creature feature, go with Black Lagoon or Cloverfield. I think Cloverfield's fucking amazing. I love Cloverfield. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and if you want to go for a, like a slasher type thing, uh, I'm probably going to catch heat for this, but I'd go with the Prowler, um, because it's really, <laughs> it's really slow paced for one thing, but when the gore hits, holy shit, does the gore hit. That's a, <laughs> that's an early Savini flick. And I, I really, really enjoy, I like it more than the burning. I really enjoy that flick. So, yeah, those are my, yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. Awesome. Summerfield, Black Lagoon, and um, The Prowler. All right. Those sound like great nice. recommendations. Yeah. So finally, from Joseph Nance, if a new and horrifying disease were to be named after you, what would its symptoms be? <laughs> Fucking um. Nance. <laughs> <laughs> I love Joe so much. I love Joe so much, but sometimes he comes up with just the worst goddamn questions, just the most difficult shit possible. Probably a craving for tequila. Uh, You've already got a disease named after you. <laughs> <laughs> Boys on school playgrounds everywhere are terrified of the cooties. <laughs> As well, they should be. Yeah, right. <laughs> Take some skill to wrangle that in. Okay, so, <laughs> so a love of tequila is that it? Uh, love of tequila. Uh, let's see. I don't know. Desire to wear a lot of black and watch Italian horror. That's that sounds about right. You are my pixie manic dream girl. Eh. <laughs> what about you, Al? McPhersonitis. Give us the... Oh. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you this one for free. This is my Alopecia. pandemic. <laughs> Alophagia? I like that. that. That works, what I'm going for. Uh, okay, the disease that I would like to be named after me would be one that you only sub- succumb to the symptoms of if you think you have it. <laughs> so it would be like if hypochondria disease. actually made you sick. <laughs> So it's like lying dormant in your system. But if you think, hey, maybe I've got alophysia, <laughs> then you have it. And then you're screwed. That's fantastic. Oh, God. Oh, shit. I don't even know what my disease would be called. Um, uh, I don't know. Exomania? There you go. No, oh, nice. All right. So with exomania, you have um, a strong desire to collect all John Carpenter films on Blu-ray. And 
there's probably anal leakage and and an inability to unsubscribe from Shutter. That's those are those are my symptoms. I can't quit you. I wish I could quit you, Shutter. That's almost like a bio weapon. I I unsubscribed from Shutter for a good two months, and then yesterday I was just like, I can't quit you. It's five dollars a month. I can do it. I'll get rid of something else. I don't care. Come back, baby. I got signed up for a Shutter beta that lasted for a year, and then went away. And that was like right before Shutter was available in Canada. Oh. So I have harsh feelings. Makes me I understand that. My pro- my problem with Shutter was they had a they had a hey here's everything we have, but it was showing me everything from Shutter Canada to Shutter UK, and so I kept clicking on shit, and they're like it's not available in your area. And I was like, why the fuck not? I'm paying for this shit. God damn it! <laughs> why can't I watch Halloween three? You piece of shit. So I got oh. pissed and I cut it off for six months, and now I just got it back, and now it's it's normal, so I'm okay. <laughs> Well, it's a happy ending. Oh. It a, yeah, it is a happy ending. So good. We're going to end the show on a happy note. <laughs> well, oh boy. That's going to do it for this episode of Kiss the Goat. Thanks to Bo at Legion for keeping the home fires burning without actually burning down a house. As far as we know, anyway, that might be something he does in his spare time. I don't know. Hey, don't forget to visit the website and check out our swag store. You can wear all kinds of KTG gear. And why not? (laughs) Also, you know what people love? They love KTG wrapping paper. It's great for gifts, dead fish, severed fingers, whatever you need to wrap. But but that's at wearthegoat at kissthegoat.com. And most of all, thanks to everybody who listens to this show. You're the ones who keep this litter box of horror properly scooped. Until next time, my name is X. And I'm Pootie. Say something, Al. I'm Al. Yeah, show me that. Maggot bill. <laughs> Maggot. Maggot. God's maggots. <laughs>
Oh, sorry, that's my line. <laughs> oh my god, I'm coming again. Mmm, jinky. Jinkies. Getting jinkies with it. Al? Al? Al, can you hear me? Can you feel me near here? Nope. Skulls never go out of fashion. That's, everybody's got one, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would like to think so. Just there may have been a portion of the audience you just alienated. Well, just because there's a skull doesn't mean there's a brain. We'll be back after this. Movie time. Movie time. Movie time. And our look at loose, loose. Five, four. Relax. <laughs> God damn it. Lucio Fulci is kind of a hard name to say, especially when you're drunk. It's so chit chit chit. It's chit 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 It's cha cha cha. It's very cha cha. Lucio is cha cha. We should call him cha cha Fulci. Cha cha Fulci. No, let's not call him that. <laughs> Started this. Mm, I don't know about that. Cheeky. It's time that <laughs> it's time to me to fuck up a line that's relatively easy to say. <laughs> god damn it, rum, love it. Oh my god, I'm coming again. Jesus, I wish that was weed. I even like weed, but that just seems like a great idea right now. All right. You come a lot. <laughs> Thankfully. Okay. Uh...